Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there, and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to do a topical study, and we're in between books, and we're going to cover the Song of Moses today. Now, the Song of Moses is a crucial song, a prophetic song, that lets us see into what it takes to overcome the Antichrist, what it takes to make it through these last days. It's basically the Song of the Overcomers. And we're going to begin this study in Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. And it's very important to know the words of this song, not only because it was written out by Moses, but because it's even leaned on in Revelation as saying this is the song that the overcomers were singing. So we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. We pick it up in, verse, in chapter 15 of Revelation, verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his number, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Now this gives us a time frame here. They, are, they have their harps, and they have overcome. They have victory over the beast, over his image and his mark and his number. And they're standing on the sea of glass, which just means purity, having these harps of God. Basically, they have overcome, and they have received the first resurrection. And they are singing these praises to God. There's one thing very important that's going to come up here in just a little bit, and it has to do with the number of his name. If you turn back to Revelation chapter 13, verse 18, it says, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is a number of a man. And his number is six hundred threescore and six. Now this word for count in the Greek, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're just counting it out just real quick. In the Greek dictionary of your strongest concordance is the number 5585 and it's sefidso and it means to count with pebbles which are worn smooth by handling over time so this wasn't counted quick this was generations and generations of counting this and observing and watching the way that this beast or this mark this number moved through time and moved throughout the word of God as well Why is that important? We'll get into that when we get into the Song of Moses. Now, verse 3, back in chapter 15. And they sing the Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For they only art holy, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. 
and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Now, you see, it's important that we know what this song is. Many would say, well, it says it right there. It's great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. But that's not the whole song. For that, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Way back here in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to pick it up in verse 24. Deuteronomy 31, 24. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. So put this in there. That way, whenever y'all foul up, you can look at this and go, Oh, yeah, they told us not to do that. Oh, and... Part of this book of the law is the blessings of God. If you do things right, you'll be blessed. And the curses of God, where is if, if you backslide, if you, if you get off and you're doing things opposite of what God does, you'll receive some curses. And so that's what he's meaning there is a witness against them. Verse 27, For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. He knows they're hard-headed. He's, he's been in the wilderness with them a while here. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. So he was there to line them out, and even with him right there in front of them, talking to God, being on it, he was on the mountain for Mount Sinai, receiving the law after they had come through the Red Sea. And just in a short time, they decided they wanted to melt down their earrings and form a golden calf to worship. That cow didn't get them through the Red Sea, but that's how stiff-necked they were. Verse 28. Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words into their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. Now we have our, our again, we have heaven and earth. This is dealing with everything. For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves, and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days. When's that? That's the latter days. That's the end times. That's this generation of the fig tree. Because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of, his, of your hands. Now, verse 30. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. The song of Moses. Chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine, or this word for doctrine, is my good teaching, basically, is what it means. Shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. And what do we have there? We have the, the former rain and the latter rain. That former rain that brings those into the knowledge of God and into the salvation. And then that latter rain that sprouts those seeds of those deeper truths to grow the roots and to be able to put off that fruit, to be able to, to get out there and, and really understand the 
the depths of the Bible. Verse 3, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. Notice the capital R. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Now, many times when people hear the judgment of God, they get real shaken up. They get a little nervous. They think, God, oh, you know, I just, I, I don't, I'm scared of, of Judgment Day. Judgment Day really worries me. It, it gets me, gets me, you know, kind of, that, that just sounds terrible. Well, what is judgment? He's just and right. If you're good, if you've done what's right, you're going to get blessings. So why be worried about that? There's no reason to worry about Judgment Day. It's either blessings if you're good, uh, if, if you hadn't been good, well, you might want to worry about it a little bit. You might want to uh, turn around, but it's not always a bad thing. Verse 5, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Many times Christ would say this to the Pharisees. They were a wicked and adulterous generation. And their spot is not the spot of his children. If you remember, Cain had a mark put on him. Matthew chapter 13, Christ explains to us that the good seed was sowed by God and the wicked seed was sowed by the devil, that wicked seed being Cain. As I mentioned about the rocks, about the pebbles being worn smooth over time, if you watch throughout the word, you can see that line of Cain interweaving and coming through all the way up even into the book of Revelation. That's why it's so important to know that rock, to know the false rock from the true rock. Verse 6, Do ye thus requite, re requite the Lord, O foolish people and, un and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? You might say, well, how did he buy us? Through Christ, through the blood on the cross. He paid the price for our salvation that whomsoever will might have everlasting life. Hath he not made thee and established thee? Verse 7, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. Now, many will say, you don't need the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. All we care about is the New Testament. We just need the gospel. We just need... To be saved, and once you're saved, you know, it's not, that's all you need. You just need to hear a little milk here and there, just a little form of rain. You don't need deep roots. You're saved. We'll just say, remember the days of old. Learn all of it. Seek it out. Consider the years of many generations, all the way back to the beginning. To understand the end, you have to understand the beginning, and vice versa. Ask the Father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. Search this truth out. That's what he's saying there. If you can't find it, go ask somebody. Find someone who knows. Verse 8. When the Most High divided the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now, this sons of Adam... Newer translations would say the sons of man. But this Adam is referring specifically to 
the eighth day, Adam, who was created after the sixth day. Now, if that throws a, uh, a loop on you, we covered that in depth in uh, Genesis chapter 1 uh, podcast. But what it is, is that on the sixth day, God created mankind. He created all the, all the races, and he looked, and they were great. And he needed someone to till the farm. He needed someone to bring that seed line of Christ, a pure seed line from Adam all the way to Christ. So there he created Etha Adam in the Hebrew, which means this specific man. And here he's saying he separated that man so that that line would be pure from him through Christ because he knew the manipulation and the deception that was going to come in through the wicked one planting his seeds. Verse 9. For the Lord's portion of his people, Jacob, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance or the 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 number of his, the measure of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Now, the apple of your eye is your pupil. If somebody goes to poke you in the eye, how quick are you to slap their hand out of your face? You think about that with God. He keeps you as the pupil of his eye. If somebody comes up, if that evil one comes up and goes to start to poke at you, he's going to slap him down. He's going to protect you. Verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, and taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Now this eagle should stir your mind to Revelation chapter 12, verse 14. And I'm going to just flip over there right quick so I don't misquote it. Revelation chapter 12, verse 14. And it says, And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, this being Mother Israel, that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half time from the face of the serpent. Now this is at the sixth trump when the Antichrist is on earth and he's persecuting all these and he's trying to go forth and deceive the elect, deceive those who are chosen by God and who have followed God and who have trusted in God. And just as a great eagle, he's protecting them. Verse 13, back in Deuteronomy. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the, of the breed of Basham, and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. Now, whenever that just said in Revelation chapter 12 that they will be nourished for a time, times, and a half time, that's what this is talking about right here. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked 
It's Jeshurun. This is kind of a, a nickname, or it is a nickname for Israel. And it's leading to the, the upright Israel. But they only use this name when they've fallen. He said, but the upright ones, well, here they went. They got a little lazy. They got a little dumb. Thou art waxing fat, thou art grown thick. They've got that stiff neck. They've, they've been, pretty much you could say they got thick-headed. All right. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Now this is this is the multitude, and this is gonna this is what's gonna happen. And what is happening today, if you look around the world, you can see everyone lightly esteeming the rock of his salvation. There, many jokes are made about Christ and about God. And maybe you're just a simpleton if you believe in God. Or if you have religious beliefs or anything like that, you're, you're just not quite as sophisticated as those that don't. You know, because they've got it all figured out. It's where we're at today. Verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came up newly up. Whom your fathers feared not. They're just making these things up. They're just any, any new thing. They're just going to come up with it. If you remember, Paul went to a place called Mars Hill. And they had a statue, a plaque to the unknown God that they were worshiping. They didn't know where they were worshiping. They were just worshiping this unknown God. Well, that's, that's very sophisticated. Verse 18. Of the rock, capital R, that beget thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. That does not make your father happy. When you look around and the world is forgetting him, and they're going by the wayside, they're just doing whatever, whatever comes to mind. Verse 19, and when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them and I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. You know, if you look around the world today, you see very a very forward generation. That's not everybody. There are those who are doing their best to stay in the will of God. But goodness, the world is getting evil. Verse 21, They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. Now you put yourself at the time when the Antichrist is here. What have they done? They have begun worshiping the Antichrist, thinking he is Christ. They have turned their back on God, thinking that they are worshiping God because they're illiterate. They don't understand this word. They don't know the true word. They don't understand, hey, we're fighting through this. We're not pulling a ripcord and flying out of here. You got to fight through it. The first one that comes is the false Christ. It's the first seal. He comes in looking like the lamb slain, but he speaks as the devil, as the dragon, excuse me. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, with their emptiness. With, the, with their just nothingness. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger 
with a foolish nation. A foolish nation. Wonder what that sounds like. Let's move over to Isaiah chapter 3 right quick. Let's look at this. A foolish nation. Isaiah chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. We'll talk about a foolish nation for a second. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. What is this bread and water? Amos chapter 8, verse 11. The famine of the end times is not for thirst of water or for hunger of bread, but for the true word of God. So what is this in the end times? He's taking that truth. Now, why is he taking that truth? It's not him doing it. It's the children turning their back on him, and that truth is going by the wayside. There are those who still study and who are still in there digging for that truth. But the majority have turned their back on it. Verse 2. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man, the counselor and the cunning artis- art- artificer and the eloquent orator. So all of these are gone. All the mighty men, the wise men, well, where'd they go? Nobody listens to them. They treat them as fools. Verse 4. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. I reckon if you look around the world today, you might see rampant immaturity in the high places, in the, in the governments of the world. And the people, verse 5, and the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. Think about that just for a second. If you look around your your town or your city or wherever, how many children have lost respect for their elders? How many children open doors for their elders? Say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Have respect. We're losing that quickly. And as far as the people being oppressed, every one by another, if you have an opinion that's different than somebody's, than somebody else's, well, it's best not to even share it. Because you're going to just open up a can of just worms that you're going to get everybody against you. They'll be oppressed one by another. Hmm. Verse 6. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day he shall swear, or he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for my house is neither bread, has neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. What's this bread or clothing? The bread's the bread of life, the truth. And the clothing would be that armor of God. They don't have it because they're foolish. They don't know this word. They think this word is just superstition. Verse 8. For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. You see, 
they've turned their back on him. And he's taking the blessings from them. Look around you today. I'm going back to Deuteronomy 32. And verse 22. For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them, and will spin my arrows upon them. Now Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 4 backs this up, and says that there's going to come a time when he comes, he, God's going to get mad. He's going to come hot, and his wrath is going to be poured out. But the thing about it, those who are seeking his truth, who are not bowing a knee to Baal, who don't, who don't fall for the Antichrist, have nothing to worry about. You see, his wrath, this fire that's poured out, is that consuming fire. And it takes away all the wicked rudiments of the world. But to those who are good, it's just the warmth of that Holy Spirit. That's what that fire is. So there's no reason to be scared of that, unless you're on the other side of it. Verse 24, they shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. Revelation chapter 16, verse 8 and 9 gives us the fourth vial. And that vial is poured out on the sun and it is caused to scorch men with heat. And what do they do? They don't turn, but they continue to blaspheme God because of the vial. I will also send the teeth of beast upon you with the poison of serpents of the dust. Revelation chapter 9 gives us the locust army. And part of the description is that they have the teeth of lions and the stings of scorpions in their tail. This word for serpent here in the serpents of the dust in the Hebrew is zahal. And it means to crawl or to creep such as a scorpion would do. Verse 25, the sword without and terror within shall destroy both young man and virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 36 tells us that the rustling of a leaf, if you're not doing God's will, the rustling of a leaf will cause a man to run in fear. Verse 26, I said I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease among men. As far as Israel goes, that happened. The ten northern tribes were taken captive by the Assyrian, migrated over the Caucasus Mountains into Europe, and then over into this North America, Canada and, and, and the United States. And many, many people, most people, don't understand that migration. The tribes of Israel in God's eyes, are not lost. He knows where they all are. But many would call them lost, scattered, and they don't remember. Verse 27, Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy. Now this feared, it doesn't mean that God's scared of it. Let's just let's move, let's continue on with this. Lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, Our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all this. What he's saying here is, unless, except for the fact that I don't want the enemy taking credit for these curses that have been put on you, if it weren't for that, God would allow it to keep happening, but he's saying, I'm going to pull it back. 
because at no point does he want the enemy thinking that he's greater. Verse 28, for they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, they are wise that they understood this. Oh, that they were wise that they understood this. That they would consider their latter end. You know, when you study the word, you come into that knowledge of the latter end. You see through prophecies such as this, how the Antichrist will come in claiming to be Christ. And if you don't understand that latter end, you'll be subject to bow to Satan, becoming a Satan worshiper, becoming an apostate. But if you understand that latter end, you know to stand strong. To stand firm against those temptations. And don't be deceived. Verse 30. How should one chase a thousand and put and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? Now this is Leviticus chapter 26 verse 8. God gives us a promise of a blessing that if you do things his way, that, that one will chase a thousand and two ten thousand. But how are you going to do that if you're not doing things God's way? You're not. Verse 31, For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Now you remember, you notice the two rocks here. For their rock, lowercase r, is not as our rock, uppercase. If you remember Revelation 13, verse 8, I told you, remember that word. That, say, fidzo, those rocks that were worn smooth over time, used for counting. That rock that is the wicked one and his seeds that have worked their way in and intermingled themselves, woven themselves, not only through this word, but in the world. That's what we're watching. And that's not our rock. Verse 32, for their vine is not the vine, is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Remember, God destroyed those places. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. They're not ripe. They're not the, the, the true vine. They're this other wicked branch over here. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Now, here we go with it, the dragon. That's who these are following, these Kenites. These son, the prodigy of Cain. That's who they worship. And I'll tell you this, those who become apostates, when the Antichrist shows up and decides to bow their knee to him, this is the same vine that they will be drinking out of. That gall and that bitterness, and this poison and this venom. And they'll be thinking it's just the sweet nectar of God. And the whole time it's the flood of lies of the Antichrist. Verse 34. Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come up upon them make haste. The time's winding down. It's drawing near. Verse 36, for the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone 
and there is none shut up or left. Now the shut up or left, this is a, a, a homonym in the Hebrew, and the same word means two different things. And so what this says in here is that there is none defended or protected. So it's going to draw down, and in God, as God would say, as Christ would say, as if it weren't for the elect, or for the elect's sake, those times were shortened. That's what he's talking about here. Well, God will, pre will repent himself for his servants when he seeth their power is gone, whenever they're getting weak, when it's time. That's that. But we don't have to worry about being weak because that Holy Spirit will be with us. We'll have those two witnesses with us. And they'll be flowing that oil, that spirit to us. And building us up and keeping us confident and strong. Verse 37. And he shall say, where are their gods? Their rock, lowercase, in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of the drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your protector. Now this is against the, those who followed the Antichrist. Where, where's he at? What happened? You see Christ's foot stepped down on a, at the seventh trump. And all of a sudden, the true Christ is here and every knee has bowed. Even that false one. What he's saying is, I thought y'all were worshiping somebody. What, what happened to that? Oh, oh, you, you were deceived. Okay. See now, verse 39, see now that I, even I, am he. There is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. He's making, a, he, he's, he's making an oath. He's telling you. I promise you, I live forever. As it says in Matthew, Fear not he who can kill the flesh, but can kill the soul and the flesh. Verse 41. If I whip my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. Revelation chapter 19 verse 15 tells us that the sword, that the Lord's tongue is like a two-edged sword that comes out and cuts both ways. I will make mine arrows drink with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O you nations, with his people. What's this? Rejoice. Those overcomers, those who saw it to the, to the end, that didn't bow, that didn't follow the Antichrist, that didn't take his mark. Rejoice, O you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries, and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Those who search out the truths and follow him have nothing to worry about. He will protect you. Verse 44, And Moses came and spake all of this song in the ears of the people. He and Hosea, the son of Nun, and Moses made an end of speaking all these words to Israel and said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do, 
all the words of this law. So remember this law. Put your heart on this law, on this song. Remember this because this is where the overcomers rejoice in. This is the song they sing. Teach your children this. Verse 47, for it is not a vain thing for you to do. This this isn't an empty thing. This isn't a waste of time because it is your life. And through this thing, you shall prolong your days in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. So what he's saying is, it's not a waste of time to learn this. This gives you exactly what's going to happen. As we're seeing this day, backs are being turned on God. Evil is running rampant. Wickedness, perversion. And not only is it running rampant, it's, it's being justified. Right's being turned to wrong and wrong's being turned to right. And if you don't understand the law, you don't understand these words, then those who believe that they're sophisticated and don't believe in this don't understand right from wrong. And that's what's happening. It's babbling all over again. Confusion. That's what babble means, is confusion. And this is definitely the time to dig into these words to find the truth, the true word, without confusion, whereby your spirit might be held up and your mind will stay steady through the wickednesses to come. God bless you. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.